love coming to Belmont because I feel like I'm coming home. Um, even though some of you I may be just seeing for the first time, um, I can remember probably about six years ago walking into uh, this building for uh, your Thanksgiving event and uh, just partaking in that night with you and immediately falling in love. I, I've been here probably every year since, with the exception of last year. Hashtag COVID, baby, come on. Um, but, uh, you know, right now, what I get to do is uh, lead the nation when it comes to the missional charge through Speed the Light. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I travel nonstop. So let me kind of give you a dynamic of what I've been doing over the past uh, now three months. I left home about August 15th. I went to El Paso, Texas. I drove from El Paso all the way to Amarillo. And if you have no idea where I'm talking about, it's good. It's about a, a 10 hour drive from El Paso up to Amarillo. I stopped many times throughout the way, left Amarillo that weekend to go to Houston, Texas to do a Sunday morning service, left Houston to fly to South Dakota, drove around South Dakota for a few days, went to North Dakota, back to South Dakota. From there, I went to uh, Northern Missouri. From Northern Missouri, I went to Wisconsin, then Arkansas, then to Northern New England, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, back to North Carolina, Last week, I was in Northern Cal, Nevada area, went to Alaska from there, and now I'm in Illinois. Anyone tired yet? Okay, some of you may be thinking, how do you remember all those places? I book all my own travel, so, uh, and I need to somehow keep it straight, so I just keep repeating it over and over. I've been on the road for about 67 of the last 72 days, straight. Um, and I do this really because I believe in your generation. He, P. Joey and I, we understand uh, this to be true. We're old. We're, we're getting old, okay? And if we don't allow the opportunity for the younger generation to come up behind us and to lead them, why are we doing this thing called spreading the gospel? And so God has been doing some amazing things through Speed the Light over the last three and a half years. Uh, how many of you knew me were part when I was DYD here in Illinois? Raise your hand, okay. So you got to see God kind of do phenomenal things through missions at that time. Uh, he's still doing it nationwide, but even the circle of influence has expanded. And here's what I've come to understand. Okay, I said it when I was here. I still stand by it tonight, that when you lead with faith, favor follows. So let me tell you what I mean, okay? Through Speed the Light right now, we, we've done a ton of different things. I know here in the district, you guys, uh, last year, maybe two years ago, Joey, it was sex trafficking through Free International. Uh, now it's been uh, water well projects with WorldServe. Through that specifically, uh, WorldServe International, we, I've had some pretty great conversations with NFL football players. As a matter of fact, in February, I will be in Kenya and Tanzania walking around with Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns which is kind of crazy to think, and because Miles Garrett is a water boy, and I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so this weekend, Pittsburgh plays against Cleveland, and a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, you cheering for Pittsburgh? Yes, I'm cheering for them to win, but I'm also cheering that Miles Garrett sacks Ben about six times. Now, I have to watch because Ben Roethlisberger is old, and you know your quarterback is old when they have to bring a walker out on the field to help him get up. Um, but every time Miles Garrett sacks a QB this season, he gives $8,000 to match what students are raising through Speed of Light, which is pretty amazing when you think of that. Okay, that NFL football players right now, we, we signed an MOU with them through Waterboys that through August of this year to July of next year, they're matching up to $500,000 of what students raise. Okay. Even more, more impressive than that, 
two weeks ago, exactly two weeks ago today, I was on a Zoom call, and uh, a lot of it stemmed, you had that video of Brooklyn, a lot of it stemmed from this video. If you could show that video from uh, Brooklyn, I'd appreciate it. So uh, that's what she's raised so far this year. You know, 12 years of age, 10,500. Her goal is 15 grand by the end of the year. So we, uh, we had this video created, and I knew of a meeting that was play, taking place bef- between World Serve International and Malcolm Brogdon of the Indianapolis Pacers. Okay, so I actually sent that video to Malcolm uh, beforehand, strategically, just to see what would happen. And I didn't know, but all of a sudden I was asked to jump on a Zoom call with Malcolm's mom, Jan, two weeks ago today, to where we were talking about the students of the Assemblies of God and this movement of generosity that's just taken place in the hearts of you guys. And Jan, through tears, was just talking about how excited she was. Malcolm Brogdon is a diehard Christian, believes in Jesus. I love Malcolm because his heart is that his influence is more important off of the basketball court than it is on it. Like, he truly is, like, outstanding. And through that, Jan, Malcolm's mom, said, what if Malcolm matched students this year, okay, from now until the end of the year in the amount of at least $350,000? Okay, so many people are sitting here, and they're like, why is this going on? I'll tell you the why. Three and a half years ago, God spoke a word over your generation. I've been sharing it every day since. Every day, okay, that you are his unconventional generation. Hear these words. Be prepared. Change is coming. I'm a God of unconventional ways, and you are a generation of unconventional anointing. I say it again. I'm coming back. Old ways no longer work. This is why I've called you. Church, listen up. An unconventional generation is going to change the world. I say this because there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. Chains will break in my name. In my name, will spread like wildfire. My anointing will pour out like never before. In church, I'm telling you, change is coming, for I'm coming soon. Youth, do not fight the plan that I have for your life because an unconventional generation can only be reached with an unconventional anointing and outpouring of my spirit, and this is why I've called you. So when people say to me, Eric, why is it that NFL and NBA basketball players are giving to a program like Speed the Light to match what students are doing through their generosity, I simply say because the word of the Lord came three and a half years ago, okay, blessing this generation with an unconventional anointing. And because of that unconventional anointing, there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. And this is why I believe. I believe this youth ministry can come together over the next three weeks before Momentum Youth Convention and raise $10,000 for Speed the Light by the time you get to that event. And if you do, Pastor Joey has agreed to do something. I know you have your chart out there on the board, but I want to challenge your youth pastor that if this group of students can get together, okay, collectively and give 10 grand before national, before uh, District Youth Convention Momentum, do we have a picture or something that we can advertise this? <laughs> pastor Joey has committed to walking around Okay, the entire time at Momentum Youth Convention wearing a pregnancy simulator. Come on, how many of you guys want to see that happen? All right, all right, come on, I, I've seen your goal. I know, I know what this youth ministry can do, and just because you're small doesn't mean you're mighty. God has placed an anointing upon this generation. Okay, you are getting to firsthand equip the world with the gospel through Speed the Light, okay? We're doing things that we've never done before. Just two weeks ago, I approved a 
tattoo removal machine for Free International through Speed the Light. Some of you are like, what, right? Do you know, what if I told you that when ladies are rescued that have been trafficked, okay, they've been marked with a tattoo by men, a tattoo under their ear or behind their neck, and that tattoo signifies and marks them for the rest of their life, but we believe that students can directly impact their lives with the gospel in such a way to where even Speed the Light can remove the mark of man, okay? And it may be out of the ordinary, it may be out of the box, but why wouldn't you lead that because you are the unconventional generation with an unconventional anointing and outpouring that we're providing clean water in Africa right now, but why do it in just Africa when 40% of the Navajo Nation here in the United States don't have clean water in their homes? Okay, so over the next year and a half, you will be hearing specifically WorldServe International providing clean water in Africa and the United States. Okay, that how can we provide and send money overseas when right here, people in our nation, okay, in a community known as the Navajo Nation, okay, the size of West Virginia, they have to ride and pick up truck in their pickup trucks with water tanks on the back and get water to take back for their families. Why haven't we provided it for them yet? We're going to, okay? Like we are doing things and believing that God can do more next year, okay? God is calling your unconventional generation. Like I truly do believe it's not about the money, okay? But if you can strategically get adults on board, what we're doing right now, young people, is just building a foundation, Okay, because I believe that through this, God is speaking to some of you individually that you will be the ones going on the field. That some of you have had this desire in your heart and in your spirit to start up businesses because you just see yourself having your own business when you get older. And the Holy Spirit has placed that in your life for a very specific reason because what COVID has done, okay, COVID has brought to light two key terms in society today, essential and non-essential. That we have missionaries right now not being approved for their visas because they're no longer an essential worker in that country. But do you know who is essential? The young man or young woman who's the entrepreneur who has a country that's undercover in a country to where the gospel can't be publicly portrayed, so they're doing it behind the scenes. P. Joey and I have been to one of these in Vietnam. Okay, to where in this coffee shop, there's an underground church to where people are getting saved in this underground church. And God is moving, but he's moving right now in your generation because business as missions is the future of tomorrow and next year. Okay, we're partnering with the, with the country of Indonesia and we are building for the first time ever, listen to me, an entire soccer stadium and athletic store through Speed the Light. The Speed the Light Soccer Stadium. Okay, and through that, here's why, because a missionary has been in that country for over 30 years, okay, he established a displaced kids' home, okay, he has seen missionaries and pastors grow up in this home as they bring kids off the street, but he just passed away this past year. He's no longer here in the United States, raising funds so that children's home can be run in Indonesia. So the strategy is, what if... We supply the income that will continue the legacy of that children's home for years to come, business as missions. God is doing something so brand new in your generation. And I believe, guys, hear me, if God can get your money, he can get your life. Okay, so if we have to entice you to put a pregnancy simulator on Pastor Joey's belly to have him walking around, I told him, I said, bro, you may want to wear Depends. 
Okay, because if all of a sudden you lose your bladder while you're walking around, I mean, I can already see it. The worship team's up there. Gavi's just leading. Pastor Joey's up there with you, jumping up and down, and all of a sudden that thing kicks in, and he wets his pants. Okay, right? P. Joey, come on. Some of you are like, I'm not sitting next to him. Okay, but if we can do this, and if we can get a generation excited about giving something so easy, like your money, then quite possibly we can get your entire life. You know, we all sit around and we all think of a world that would be a better place because of our influence in it. We, we look at people like Martin Luther King and Marie Curry and Steve Jobs and, and we try to see ourselves in a position to where, okay, the world is thankful because we were in it. Okay, every single one of you in this room tonight, God wants to use you to change the entire world world, okay? That we don't get to just dream about this thing. We actually get to do it. And if you were able to just to grab a hold of this unconventional word and lead your life and risk it all and believe that he's spoken to you, that you could change the world, look out. And if you take that step forward, I need to share some great news with you tonight. God promises three key things to you from his word. Three key things that he says to you and I that if we step out, if we take a risk, if we imagine that we could impact and influence and change the entire world, he promises us three things. Number one, he promises that he will build from us. He'll build from us, okay? I really, when I think of this word build, I I immediately think about the disciple Peter. Peter's my kind of guy, okay? He was always saying and doing things that was the wrong things at the wrong time. One minute he's telling people that Jesus is his homeboy, and the next minute he's telling people that he doesn't even know Jesus. Peter is like me because he's often speaking a little too quickly, and it gets him into trouble. Though Peter had his doubts and his struggles, we all do, right? We, we all have our struggles, okay? Even though Peter had his struggles, okay, Jesus never pointed those out. Like, read the scriptures. He never, ever focuses on his struggles. Instead, Matthew 16, 18, he says words like this, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, okay? Notice that Jesus doesn't point out all the things that are wrong with Peter. Instead, he says to him, Peter, you're my rock, okay? That when we accept our new life, our calling, our destiny, what we were created to do, that we are an unconventional generation, when we step into that and when we accept that, we're now walking in a new pair of shoes believing that we are no longer who we used to be. We're not alone and we're not who we were in our past. That in that moment, we understand that we are chosen, that we are loved, that we are who God wants us to be and he desires to build his church through us. Okay, you don't have to be a pastor in order for him to do that. Okay, you don't have to be the world's greatest Christian in order for him to do it. You only have to have a willing heart. Okay, some of the most influential people in my life were not Bible scholars or missionaries, although that would have been awesome if those people would have been in my life. Instead, it was people in my life that truly just tried to love me well. Okay, those people that looked inside of me every single day of my life, they looked me in the eyes and they told me that I could be more than what I could ever imagine on my own. Okay, you have those people in your life right here in this church. XL, you have P. Joey. Like for some of you in here, you don't have a daddy at home. You have P. Joey. Okay, you have pastor. You have men and women here in this church and they may not always tell you what you wanna hear. They tell you what you need to hear. There's a difference. 
okay? When I think over my past, okay, for those men and women that wanted to speak into my life that really understood this concept of Jesus building through me, okay, they were never quick to tell me what I wanted to hear. They always told me what I needed to hear, okay? When people tell you what you want to hear, I often question whether or not those people are truly trying to, okay, move me into the building phase of my calling. I want people who will challenge me, who will push me, who will ask me, okay, are you one, like Peter, okay, to where Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against you? And when I think of that verse, a missionary told me it was Brian Webb, okay? Like we share that verse in our churches, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, okay? Sometimes immediately we think about the gates of hell coming against the church, okay? No, that verse is speaking specifically to the church for the church to come against the gates of hell, okay? That we're supposed to be on offense, okay? The ball is supposed to be in our hand. That's what happened when Jesus broke out of the grave and rose to heaven. He put the ball in our hand. Okay, when he sent the person of the Holy Spirit to come and reside in us, he put the ball in our hand. What are we going to do with it? Are we just going to continue to sit around in our churches and watch everyone else do it? Or are we going to do it ourselves? Will we build? Okay, because if we build, the second promise is God says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. The best part is God is not up in the stands, okay, chomping on popcorn, watching us do this on our own, okay? God is a good father, and he's down here with us on the field. He wants to spend time with us, teaching us what to do through his word. He wants to coach us and encourage us when we praise him. Matthew 28, and surely I, 28, 20, and surely I am with you always to the ends of the age. He wants to bring correction. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay, let me tell you something I've learned. If you want to live a certain way and not have anyone question you for the sin that we allow in our lives, you will find a church that will be completely okay with your desire to live a sinful lifestyle. But most of the time when you find that church, young people, let me tell you the key. They don't talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in that church. The power of the Holy Spirit is one that comes and convicts mankind from the sin of this world. It purges sin. The Holy Spirit, the moment that you say to Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you, he sends the helper of the Holy Spirit to move in, to take up residence, and that residence, that voice inside of you begins to purge sin from your life. It doesn't mean that you live perfect lives. It means that you know when you do something wrong. Okay, like I always, I used to joke, I'm like, listen, Try looking at porn when you speak in tongues. Like, like if you truly have a prayer language, okay, and you, you're tempted and you're looking at pornography on the computer or on the, try, try using your prayer language and see if you can continue looking at that porn. Okay, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that purges you of that. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life in such a way because he wants to be with you. He wants to journey with you. But you have to be able to have the desire inside of yourselves to journey with him as well to read the word of God. The problem with your generation today is this. There's so many things that come against you guys. Okay, there's so many traps, so many influences. Like you cannot be ones who God uses to build his church on if you spend more time updating your TikTok and your Insta than you do in his word. 
Okay, God can't build off of you and use you if you're not spending time in his word because he's given you that word to guide you. David says, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a guide to my path. Okay, why does he use that analogy? Because it's only the word that will get you through the darkest of times. It's only the word. Okay, that God is looking at your generation and saying, I want to build through you. But is it possible that the reason many of us can't see God building through us or being with us is because we have not allowed an opportunity for him to be in the same room as us? Okay, the social network is, an, is the new addiction. Holiness has been thrown out of the window. How can God use his people to advance darkness when they've already been living inside of it and they didn't even know it? If we want to play well and change the game, we have to make sure we listen to his voice. God wants to build through us. God promises to be with us. And then the third promise is the most exciting. God will do greater things through you. Okay, when we understand that we cannot lose when we stay close to God, God can change the entire world through us. Listen to this verse, John 14, verse 12. I, I say this all the time. Anytime that you read the words, truly I tell you from Jesus, you need to pay attention. Okay, John 14, 12. Very truly I tell you. That means listen up. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I was in a youth ministry about four weeks ago, Pastor Joey, and I said to the room, I'm like, so what kind of works did Jesus do while he was on this earth? And this little girl to my right raises her hand. And I said, yes, what did Jesus do? She goes, he ate people. I'm like, did you ever have that moment to where you, you heard something but you didn't want to believe that you heard it? Okay, so I asked her, I said, excuse me, what did Jesus do? She goes, and she doubled down on it. He ate people. I'm like, is your youth pastor in the room? I'm like, where's he at? Okay, but seriously, what did Jesus do while he was on this earth? Come on, somebody tell me. Something Jesus did while he was here, three and a half years of his ministry. He healed people? What? Turned water into wine? Walk on water. What else? Cast out demons, raise people from the dead. The list goes on and on. But then we read that verse right there. Listen to these words, young people. Come on. This should change the way we lead. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Okay, so we can walk on water? You're like, dude, that's dope, right? Maybe I should go try that. Go ahead. Power of the Holy Spirit be with you. I don't know if I can step out in that, right? Okay, Jesus laid hands on the sick and they were healed. Jesus called people from the dead, okay? But it goes on and it says, okay, and they will do even greater things. So when I read that, and when I think about your generation, the unconventional generation with an unconventional anointing and outpouring of his spirit, that there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. I think back to about three months ago, I was in Iowa at their youth camp a young lady came forward. I talked about desperation, like what it really looks like to be desperate for God to move on behalf of you. I talked about the lady that Jesus describes in the Bible that she couldn't be healed. She went to the doctors and she pushed her way through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. That's desperation. I said, if you're in this room and you're that desperate for God to move in your life, then come forward. This young lady comes running to the altar, hands lifted. Her head was shaved. Just knew, you knew she had cancer. You just knew. 
okay? And then I looked at that room, and I talked to the leaders. I said, listen, we're gonna pray, but I need you to stay in your seats. You're not the unconventional generation. God didn't call the boomers or the Xers or the millennials his unconventional generation. He called Gen Z. Gen Z not being the last letter of the alphabet, but the first generation to see God move by the power of the Holy Spirit on this land today. I said to Gen Z, I'm like, if you're in this room and you've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, like if you experienced speaking in tongues last night, it was, the, it was the night before at camp we did that service. If you're in this room and that's you and you believe God can move on behalf of this young lady, her desperation, would you come up and pray? Students just started rushing the altar, praying over her. Tears were everywhere. A month later, her youth pastor texted me and said, Eric, you'll never believe it. She came back from the doctors. She called me right away. Doctors couldn't find one ounce of leukemia in her body, okay? So I think of that, no precedent to an anointing of this capacity that you will do even greater things. Like, is it possible, I gotta watch, is it possible that we've been looking for a man-made vaccine when God's already given it to us for COVID? What would it look like if an entire generation, an unconventional generation of young people started to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is in them in such a way to where they pray against a thing called COVID and it would just disappear? Okay, if God could heal, if Jesus was able to heal people of leprosy and death, then COVID is a very easy thing to him. You hear me? But when was the last time that you led and you believed that way? Okay, we just keep staying in line and staying informed, not believing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. But when I read the word, guys, it says, and you will do even greater things. And why aren't we doing it? Okay, why, why aren't we doing it? This is God's promise. God wants to build through you. God promises to go through you and with you, and God says that you will do even greater things. So what's that mean? Whatever you do, okay, do it to glorify him and not yourself. It took me a long time to realize how God would want to use me, and I still don't always understand it, but what I do know is this. I want my life to count, guys. I, I want it to matter. I want others to see Jesus in me, and I want them to be able to experience his love for themselves. This has to be the reason behind Speed the Light. Okay, it's not just about money. Okay, money is the progress of the progress that we make moving forward, but going has to be the process. Okay, we have to be willing to go outside these doors and outside of our state boundaries and change the world with the gospel of Jesus. Okay, God's promises is he, we, he will build, he will be with us, he will do great things through us. And if there's ever been a time and a generation of young people who could directly impact and influence the entire world, it's you and it's right now. I believe that God has set you apart, Gen Z, to do something brand new. He's calling some of you to do great things as he works for you to build something new to reach those that have never been reached with the gospel before some of you lie awake at night believing for something more, dreaming impossible dreams, longing for an impossible future of what if. What if God chooses you and builds through you? What if he goes with you? What if your influence has been determined to do great things? There's a reason that God has placed this entrepreneurial spirit in your heart. Could it be that some of you could be the next great missionary who goes and plants a business in a third world country? I'm sick and tired of watching missionaries go to places that have already been reached. 
Okay, what about the 40 to 42% of the globe that's never been reached? Who's going to them? Is this the generation that God is calling to lay it all down? Okay, it has to be you. It has to be now. And here's why. I travel all the time now with my eyes wide open. If you would start that video for me. Okay, eyes wide open across the nation. And here's what I see. I see God's people surrounded by a world where the nation of Haiti is struggling from an earthquake. The second 7.0 earthquake in a decade, which consists of 11 million people, of which 90% of them do not know Christ. I see the nation of Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim-dominated nation, that over the last couple of years has seen a quarter of a million people die in natural disasters, tsunamis, and earthquakes, leaving hundreds of thousands of others homeless, susceptible to all kinds of diseases and hungry. I see a nation like India, where there are more people living below the poverty line than there are people in the U.S. altogether. I see a world where over half the people are living on less than $2 a day, while we sit here, every single one of us, filthy rich compared to the rest of the globe. Furthermore, here in the U.S., we spend collectively $3.3 billion yearly on garbage bags, while 1.8 billion people are living without improved sanitation practices. I see a world where 790 million people are living without access to clean drinking water. I see a world where our dogs and our cats are eating better than our brothers and our sisters in the Sudan. Where last week, last week alone, 50,000 people died of AIDS as we walked into our rapid test centers, take care clinics, and emergency rooms. Last week alone, 100,000 children died of hunger-related diseases while we disposed of a third of the food that we purchased. Last week, just last week, 14,000 children died due to waterborne issues while individually we flushed 1.6 gallons down a drain five times a day. In addition, hundreds of thousands of others were trafficked around the world for human sexual exploitation. And our biggest concern last week was the price of gasoline or whether the child tax credit would be hitting our parents' accounts. And on top of all that, thousands upon thousands of our brothers and sisters are imprisoned and persecuted in China and in Laos, in North Korea, and in Saudi Arabia. And in addition to all of this, there's another billion people who haven't even heard the name of Jesus is on my lips tonight. I see all this and then I look. I look at the church. I see so few of our churches risking everything for the mission. We have retreated. We have retreated into our nice big buildings where we sit in our cushioned seats and the comfortable atmospheres, where we are insulated and isolated from the inner cities and the spiritual lostness of the world, where we've given a tip of our hats to world missions and evangelism as an optional program for the faithful few. While we go on designing endless programs that revolve around us, and when we should be on the fire lines for God, we find that most of them are still in the nurseries of our churches drinking spiritual milk. With the mammoth needs of a world without Christ in front of us and the glory of Christ in us, we face two options. We can retreat from this mission into a land of religious correctness and wasted opportunity where we can risk everything to fulfill the divine purpose for which we've been created. I say, let's risk it all for the sake of a billion people who haven't even heard his name. 
I say let's risk it all for the sake of millions in our country who are heading to a Christless eternity. I say let's risk it all for the sake of the lost people you and I know in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in our communities. Let's risk it all for the sake of the hurting, the hungry, the thirsty, the trafficked, and the displaced. Let's risk it all. Let me remind you, the author of Hebrews is saying, he tells us very clearly that the Jesus that we say we represent was in the dirty places. He was in the dangerous places. He was in the despised places. That's where he went. Is that the Jesus we are following? We cannot sit back in comfort. We must go to the need. This is what it means to die to comfort, to die to self, to die in our devotion. We are aliens and strangers on this earth and we are looking forward to another place, a place that is not our own, one that God promises to prepare for us. And though we may suffer disgraces for the sake of Christ, we look ahead to that reward. I believe that higher the risk, higher the reward. This is why we must go to the dirty, we must go to the despised, and we must go to the dangers because we are convinced that the glory of Christ is worth it. Are we going to die in religion or are we going to risk it all for the one and die in our devotion? This is our mission. Giving our money is easy, but will we give our lives? Young people, it's time that we begin to normalize the impossible and make him known to all. This is why I'm asking you, will you risk it all? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that. Okay, so why don't we make the decision now to go all in? We have the promises. You have it. There's absolutely no pressure on me. I, I say this everywhere I go to your generation. I had a young kid from Alaska email me, and he goes, I just want to know why you think there's no pressure on you. Okay, God didn't call me his unconventional generation. Guys, I'm 44. Okay, he used an 18-year-old girl to speak to Gen Z three and a half years ago, to Gen Z, your generation. Okay, sometimes I sit there and I wonder, Pastor Joey, why didn't he call us? What is it about us, the Xers? Why, why not the Xers? Why, why not the millennials? He didn't call us. Okay, it's our time to lead you. Okay, it's your time to lead. You hear me? Okay, the pressure is on you, what are you gonna do with it? There's people in your circle of influence that's dying and going to hell right now, and they're waiting for you to be the hope, the hope, the hope in their life by just offering them one name. That name is Jesus, the name above any other name. To not be ashamed, to speak out, because I promise you, if you can do it now, 10 years from now, it's going to become very easy in your life. You are my unconventional generation. With an unconventional anointing and outpouring of my spirit, there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. Choose this day, today, what risk you're willing to take. And if you choose to take that risk, understand that with every risk, typically you only ever get one shot. So in this room tonight, I ask you, Excel Student Ministries. I know the heart of your leader. This is not about speed the light. I'd love for you guys to hit 10 grand by youth convention to put that machine on Pastor Joey, and I'd love to get video of him wetting his pants. That's gonna be great, okay? But more importantly, what I'd love more 
Okay, and what I love about this youth ministry, there's an expectation. You, you ready? There's an expectation for this group when it comes to Momentum Youth Convention. Joey, what, what's that expectation, Joey, that we've always had? You set the temperature of the room. Okay, I used to ask P. Joey, I'm like, man, I want your group sitting right there, stage right. Okay, I want your group being the first ones down at the altar. I want your group being the, 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 the ones that are worshiping their guts out. But in order to do that, guys, sometimes you have to risk it all. Okay, what if, what if you begin to pray against COVID and you lead that entire convention to do the same? I believe if that happens from state to state, that's what I'm traveling, that's what I'm speaking on, okay? I've shared this in Texas, in South Dakota, in North Dakota, in South Carolina, in Arkansas, in Wisconsin, in Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Alaska, if I didn't say that, and now here. What if we had an entire generation of students that have an unconventional anointing praying against this thing called COVID that has impacted communities and families all over the globe? You will do even the things that I have done, but you will also do greater things. But for some, it's just a matter of stepping up and saying, yep, I'm in. I'll risk it all. So if that's you tonight, and you'd say, Eric, I'm, I'm all in, then show it by just standing to your feet right now and saying, I'll risk it all. Is there anyone? Stand up. I'll risk it all. I'm in. I'm going to lead. I'll risk it all. Father, I thank you and I give you praise, God, for the opportunity just to come and just to share the word with this amazing body of believers. God, I am honored that I get to stand beside these young people leading as they lead. God, believing for more in their life as they begin to believe. God, having faith like no other, watching their faith grow to reach the nation and the globe with your, with your purpose, your glory, your honor, your hope, God, that only comes by the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that a boldness would erupt in this generation like never before. God, that there would be a spiritual saturation that this group would take with them, God, to Naperville in three weeks. Not because we wanna raise money, but God, we wanna raise the temperature of the room so every young person would know that Jesus is Lord and they are his unconventional generation with an unconventional anointing. And with that comes an expectation that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. Father, just speak right now to the hearts of these young people and leaders, I pray. God, allow that video just to not be something that would just tweak our hearts, but God, that it would push us to action. Action to reach the community outside of these doors, across these city limits. God, past the state boundaries to, from ocean to ocean and across the globe. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Joey. Hey guys, I'm going to ask you to stay standing just to give you some, some next step things with this on, on a practical level. And I'm just so grateful uh, for my friend um, because this has always been Eric's heart. I remember just even one of the first times, uh, I don't even remember the event, but they roomed us together in a hotel. And Eric's like, hey, man, so what are you doing for Speed the Light? And I was like, oh, we don't do that, bro. And right away, he, he just began to give me the vision for it. And he was just a youth pastor in our state, no official title. But you don't need a title to lead. People will lead you, and then they'll give you a title later on. Um, Saul had a title, 
And he got jealous when everybody started singing songs about David. Because even though David didn't have a title, he had a purpose. He led in that purpose. And eventually, the title was given to him as king. And so I just want to challenge you guys. I know we were talking about planning to do the walkathon. I'm going to go ahead and just scrap that all together. And I just want us to focus over the next three weeks to do whatever you can individually. If you want to partner with somebody, if you want to get with a leader, if you want to get with another student, if you want to do it on your own. But I'm asking all of you, especially if you're standing, to do something to raise money over the next three weeks. And even just as, as I was thinking about it, and I'm thinking about, bro, what would it be like if you just shot a thousand free throws? My hoopers in the room, right? I'm just looking at like this section here. If you got together and said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna get together, we're gonna shoot a thousand free throws. I'll get you a gym. I'm shoot a thousand free throws and raise money. You don't gotta go outside of your warehouse. What do you do? What do you like to do? Some of you, I like to braid hair. Okay, braid hair for speed the light. I like to draw, draw for speed the light. Like whatever you got to do, again, it's it, to me, and Eric mentioned it, it's not about the finances. Part of me really hopes you don't crack 10,000. That, that'll be nice on my end. But for, the reality is I would be so much more proud of everybody participating than two people raising 10 grand on their own. Because to me, it's about what we do, not about what you do. Because if we can do it, your generation collectively can take hold of this and hold each other accountable. Because it's one thing when, when me or Eric get up here and we're like, hey, you need to do this and give you all the great speeches and talks and sermons. But it's another thing when you challenge each other and say, hey, what can we do together? I want to help you or I need your help. Let's get on this. Let's do this. Because it's so much greater than the money we raise. It's the lives we save by the gospel being preached across the world. Amen. So I don't know about you, I'm, I'm pumped, I'm encouraged, I'm excited, uh, but there's nothing more excited, exciting to me as a pastor than seeing you run with it, you take over it. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you begin to come up with it, just do me a favor, talk to your small group leader and just let them know what you're thinking. Leaders, talk to each other, put it on our group page, just let us know what you're thinking. Um, that way you have accountability. That way it's not just, hey, I heard it once and then I forgot about it and I didn't tell anybody and nobody can hold me to it. Just bring it. Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, like I said, Aaron, if you want to shoot free throws, you know, shoot a thousand free throws, make three of them, however you want to do it. Um, but tell somebody about it on our leadership team so that they can hold you accountable to it. And then ask the leader, what are you doing? Put their feet to the fire too and make sure that you're holding them. And so I just think if we can do this collectively, I'm just going to be so excited of walking into momentum like we always do. And I've always felt this, bringing in the room and saying, hey, here's my check for 10G. What do you got? Here's how we worship. How are you going to worship? Here's where we're responding to the word. Where, where are you guys at? I've never, this has been my heart since I was a teenager here. I never want to walk in that room and be looked down at. I want to be looked up to. I don't want anybody looking down at us because we're from Chicago and we don't look like them. I want to walk in there and say, hey, you see that? That's who God's calling us to be like. Amen? And I believe you can do it because why would I do this if I didn't? So let me just pray one more time as we get ready to close. And uh, I just want to remind you as we do, you know, we can take the check, but I want you to be there with me. So make sure that you sign up for Momentum. And if you have financial issues with doing that, we'll help you. We'll figure that out. But I really want to make sure that you're doing it. And I'll add this. If you want help financially to go to Momentum, you better be doing something for Speed the Light. <laughs> That's just, to me, it's a common sense thing. Don't ask for a handout and not be willing to ask somebody to hand out. And so we want to make sure that, hey, we want you there. Finances will never be a reason you can't go. But make sure that you do your part as well.
Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your servant, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, that it was more than Pastor Eric's voice, God, but it was the voice of the Holy Spirit that brought that conviction, that brought that challenge, that brought that encouragement to say, Lord, we can do so much more than we all believe we're capable of doing if we are willing to be led by your spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask, even now, would you begin to spark something in the hearts of the individual, God? Would you begin to, to show us the giftings and the talents that you've already given us, God? And even showing us, they can be simple things, Lord, like, like Brooklyn, where she just sat up against the wall and, and held it for a long time, or, or baked pies, God. It can be the simple things, as long as it's with a willing heart. And so, Lord, I just pray, help us to do our part, to be faithful, to trust you. And, Lord, we know that you'll do your part, the results. So God, I pray that we would never worry about the results. That's your department. Help us to be faithful to your word, to do exactly what you called us to do. And Lord, I even pray now that as we're doing it, Lord, if you're stirring the heart of someone in this room, to go beyond just giving and maybe even going. Lord, I pray that you would foster that calling in their life. Lord, I pray that you would begin to nurture it. I pray that you begin to give them insight, God. Lord, we may, we may not see the whole picture right now. We may not know the final destination of where we're going or how we're going to get there. But Lord, I pray that you would even now begin to plant that seed of saying, I am calling you not just to give, but to go. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be able to celebrate not just what we raised, but who we sent. And I pray that we can do that for your honor and for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, as you make your way out, I just want to encourage you one last thing. Make sure you're here tomorrow. Over the next two weeks, we're going to start breaking down the pallets for Share the Love and the Grub. Uh, we're going to be giving out close to 2,000 grocery bags to our community. And so we want to make sure that you're all here to give us a hand and be a part of that process. Last year when we did it, it was a ton of fun. It was a lot of craziness. There was a lot of garbage. It was hilarious. Uh, and, and you get free snacks too. So I ain't even going to lie. There are some good snacks on that truck, um, real, real good, like Gatorade and Pringles and stuff like that. I'm like, we might have to sneak a little bit on a little Excel tithe before we give out to the community. But God bless you. We love you. Get a form for Momentum. If you haven't, turn in a form if you already got it. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.